What's up, everybody? How we doing tonight? Good, good. Well, hey, welcome to Young Adults. Could you do me a favor real quick before we get started? Could you look at your neighbor? Could you shake their hand? Could you hug their neck? Could you make it a little less awkward than like, hey, I've known you for five seconds? Hey, do we have any first-time guests here tonight? Any first-timers? Awesome. Hey, welcome, welcome. I think I'm going to like tonight. You guys are like, you guys are alive. All right. Well, hey, if it's your first time here tonight, we just want to say welcome. We, we want to say thank you for coming and checking us out. Um, we hope that you come here, that you feel like you are part, you're a part of the family. Uh, we hope that you make lifelong friends, that you meet your future spouse, you meet your boo, uh, you get married, you invite us all to your wedding so that you can get a bunch of gifts. Um, that is our hope for you. And so speaking of wedding, uh, I just got married three weeks ago. Yes. It has been the best three weeks of my life, and I think we got a picture uh, coming up. Dude, my girl is fine, y'all. <laughs> she is fine, and guys, that just goes to show that if you like love Jesus, you don't have to be that great looking, and you can marry up big time. Big time. No, I've, I've been married for three weeks, and um, Aaron is literally like my favorite person in the world, and being married is incredible. Um, it's been the best three weeks of my life. I no longer have to drive home at night, and I've saved so much money on gas, and uh, no, and I also love her with all my heart. She's incredible. Yeah, and so my name is Connor. Um, I work uh, primarily in the volunteer department, and I just wanted to say really quick, I don't think I shout these guys out enough. Um, I honestly think we have some of the greatest volunteers like on the planet. Like I would put young adult volunteers up against like any like church, any type of corporation. Like I literally think we have some of the greatest volunteers in the world. They come week in and week out, and they give of their time, they give of their talents, all for totally free. Um, they work huge events, and so can we please give a round of applause for the people that make Young Adults work? I love you guys. You guys are awesome. And so I think the intern said, the past couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Salt of the Earth. And um, we get that idea for this series because the meetup is coming up on Tuesday, and we wanted to encourage and remind you guys to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. And if you're new to church, uh, that phrase might seem a little weird. And so we get that phrase from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. And this is what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. And I know people in here are like, oh my goodness, we're like two minutes into the sermon and we're like reading out of the Bible. <laughs> is that all right if we read out of the Bible like two minutes into the sermon? Is that cool? Awesome. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Can you guys just say stay salty real quick? All right, perfect. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That is not a good thing. You don't want to lose your saltiness. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. One, it wouldn't shine. Two, it would catch on fire. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so when we started this series, Salt of the Earth, uh, Doug kind of kicked us off and he talked about how um, God has specifically placed you in this time, in this moment in history. Um, I, some people are like, oh, I wish I could live in the 60s, or the 70s, or the 80s, whatever. God has specifically placed you in this moment right now for a purpose. And he also talked about how you are God's number one plan for reaching your friends and reaching your family. And then next week, Whitney crushed it and followed it up by telling us that our faith is never meant to be quiet, but our faith is meant to go out and to find lost, hurting, broken people and bring them home. And so tonight, my hope and my goal is just to continue this conversation of what it looks like to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so guys, I was up to like 1.30 last night trying to think of like the coolest, catchiest uh, message title. And what I came up as, with was this, um, you are the light of the world. I had nothing. I was trying to be like super clever and it just, you are the light of the world. That is the title of the message tonight. But before we get started, can we pray? Uh, Jesus, we love you so much. We are so thankful that we get to gather here uh, at Young Adults. We're so thankful that you allow us to come and worship you with our friends and with our family, God. And we believe that not one single person is here on accident. We don't believe that one single person is here by mistake. And God, I believe tonight you want to lift the head of the broken. You want to heal the heart of the hurting. And I believe you want to call somebody that doesn't know you home. God, I just pray right now that you would just work in our midst, God. It is our honor and it is our privilege privilege and it is our pleasure to be able to just commune with you tonight and we can't wait to see what you have in store for us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've got a question for you guys. How many people in here are ocean people? How many people in here are ocean people? You are sand people. You are waves and sun people. Some would say you are God's people. How many people in here are ocean people? I am an ocean person. I prefer waves and sun to forests and mountains. I think the perfect hike... Haters. Haters. No, the perfect hike is the one that you can drive on. That is my ideal hike. And if it has a McDonald's at the top, that's even better. That's the perfect hike. Um, but no, I'm an ocean person. I don't know why, but waves and sand and, and, and the ocean just makes me come alive. And I, had, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to college in Florida. And when I was in Florida, I met one of my lifelong closest friends in the world. His name is Nate Overfield. I don't know if he's here tonight, but um, Nate is one of my best friends in the entire world. And besides the fact that we are two of the greatest NBA 2K players that have ever existed... Um, Nate and I both are ocean people. And so fortunately for me and for my group of friends, Nate and his family are from the Florida Keys. They live in the Keys. And so on any type of long weekends, on any type of uh, spring breaks, we would go down to Nate's house and spend those spring breaks and those times at his house because his parents are literally two of the most gen uh, generous people I've ever met in my entire life. And we would go down there and we would get on his boat and we would go snorkeling and swimming in the ocean. And there is this place that we would go to out on the ocean called Alligator Light. <clears throat> and I think we got some pictures of us uh, on our spring break and on our trips out in Alligator Light. That's me, uh, and that is Alligator Light out there in the middle of the ocean. 
Um, I think we got some more. That's all of us jumping off of Alligator Light. And just knowing my luck with being specific in sermons, there's like a, an ocean patrol officer in here because that's illegal. If you're ever there, don't do that. Um, but there will be somebody that comes and talks to me after the message about doing that. Um, but no, that's Alligator Light. It is beautiful. And so if my facts are correct, it was built in the late 1800s because... These ships would come and bring cargo and bring uh, things into Florida and things into the Keys. And uh, it's surrounded by reef and by coral. And in the night or in the middle of a storm, uh, the sailors couldn't see the coral was there, the reef was there. And so they would run into it and no lie, like Johnny Depp style, pirates would come and sink their ship and steal their cargo. And so these people built this light, Alligator Light. It was actually named, I believe, after one of the first ships that crashed there, um, Alligator Light. And it is uh, four miles off the coast of the Keys. And so we get in Nate's boat and we drive four miles out and we have some of the best, most amazing snorkeling like America has to offer. And so one spring break, a huge group of us get in the car and we head down to Nate's house um, for, to, to go and just kind of spend some time out on the ocean. And uh, there's a lot of us, and so not all of us could fit on his boat. And so we go to this dock one day, and we, we're trying to rent another boat so all of us can kind of go out at the exact same time. And I kid you not, if my memory serves me correct, this like old weathered sea captain like comes out of this like, like little shack, you know, like on a dock. And we're like, hey man, what's up? He's got like a weathered face and like a wispy white beard. And I just picture him wearing like a nautical hat. Like, and we're like, hey man, what's up? Like we really want to rent a boat because we've we got a big group here and we're all trying to go out to Alligator Light. And, you know, in like this old, wise, yet prophetic voice, he's like, boys, I wouldn't sail these waters today. Storm's coming. And we're like, Okay, like, but, but, and so the weather at the time was, uh, you know, predicting like these big storms that were rolling in, but it, but it was beautiful, like in the moment. And so we kind of beg, we plead, and long story short, nothing happens. And so you think that an old sage-like warning to not go into the ocean at this time, like would be enough to like deter us from doing that. But we just kind of tossed it to the side and we were just like, okay, whatever, we're going to break up and do it into shifts. And so Nate took a group of people out. They were out at the lighthouse. They were jumping off, having a blast out there for a couple hours. Then he comes back, and I take the boat out with the, with the next group of people. And I've kind of grown up um, around boats. I've had a lot of family members with boats. I've driven boats out on the ocean. So I feel pretty comfortable driving a boat. And so we load up. We head out. Four-mile trek. Takes, takes a little while to get out there. And just while I'm driving, like these, these words of this like wrinkly old sea dog are just like echoing in my head like I wouldn't sail out there today boys <laughs> but we're like whatever it looks great um, and so we get out there we anchor the boat and uh, we're having a good time and like right off in the horizon we see these like little black clouds like start to form but we're like whatever it looks like it's a good distance away and I don't know if any of you guys know about storms on the ocean but they can hit like immediately and it feels like the very next second we're out like swimming with Nemo and like finding like fish. 
And then like these waves are like crashing into the lighthouse and like tossing our little boat. And so we like swim over to the boat and we get it like unhooked like from the sand and the water's like all stern and there's lightning and there's thunder. And these waves are like actually starting to form and to break. And in the keys, like that normally doesn't happen. Like for whatever reason, the keys don't get like a lot of like waves. And so when there's waves out in the water, that's like a bad sign. And so I'm there, and I'm the only one with sailing experience. And we are on this tiny little, maybe five-person Boston Whaler boat. And like, I'm like, we get it going, and I'm like cutting through these waves, and the boat is literally like tossing, like we, I, we are like going like up and down, back and forth. And one of my friends is like getting sick and like trying to hold on, but trying not to puke at the exact same time. And I just remember I was gripping the wheel of this, the, the, the steering wheel of this boat so tight that I remember the next morning I went to get a bite of cereal. My forearms were so sore, I could like barely lift the spoon up like to my mouth. And I remember being on this boat and rain's coming down and like it feels like every time lightning strikes, it's like one foot behind us. And I remember having these two thoughts. I remember thinking, one, if I wreck this boat, I'm going to be in debt to my friend for the rest of my life. I can't afford to pay for a boat. And then two, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be stranded in the middle of an ocean in a storm. At any given moment, water is going to come over the side of this boat or like flip this boat and we are going to be like cast away, Tom Hanks style, like in the middle of the ocean. This is a bad situation. And I'm not kidding, like we get to the, we get to the dock and we dock the boat like two minutes to spare and like I roll off the boat like, yeah man, we're you know, just like out there, no big deal. And inside I'm like, oh well my mom... <laughs> But as I'm like studying and preparing for this message, it's kind of ironic. Uh, we find that the Apostle Paul was also an ocean person, but not by choice. Paul was an ocean person, but not by choice. And we actually find Paul in a very similar situation to what I was in, um, in the book of Acts. And so if you guys have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27, we're going to kind of dive into this story of Paul being out in the middle of the ocean and, and being in the middle of a storm on a ship. Um, but as we read this story, as we read through Acts uh, chapter 27... I want you to keep that verse that I read earlier in mind. I want you to think about Matthew 5 where it says, You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill and you're called to shine. I want you to think about that as we read through Acts chapter 27. And so before we do, I want to give you some context. Um, Paul is on this boat because he was arrested in Jerusalem for preaching about Jesus. He ticked off some of the higher ups and they arrested him and they were going to beat him. And they kind of, and then Paul was kind of like, hey, you can't touch me. I'm a Roman citizen. And back in that day, like Roman citizenship, like carried a weight with it. And so they're like, oh, I don't think we can touch him. And so they kind of passed him back and forth to all these like little local courts. And then finally, he appeals to Caesar to go to Rome. And these guys are like, well, honestly, we weren't going to really like do anything to you. But if you want to go to Rome, like we'll send you to Rome. And so they send him to Rome on this ship and they put him on the ship and he's sailing up the Mediterranean. And it's actually like really bad weather. And so they, they port in this uh, city and he actually changes ships and gets on like an Egyptian cargo ship. 
uh, so people think. Like, it was probably a cargo ship. He gets on this Egyptian ship, and when he gets on it, he's like, hey, guys, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the weather's been kind of bad. I don't think we should go out and sail today. And these people who were sailors, and have maybe sailed maybe 10,000 times, I don't know, because it's their job, they're like, hey, pastor, thank you so much for sharing your opinion. We don't care. Go sit down in the back. And so that is kind of where we find ourselves um, in this story uh, when we pick up in Acts chapter 27, starting in verse 13, and this is what it says. When a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor thinking it would be smooth sailing, but they were no sooner out to sea than a gale force wind, the infamous nor'easter. And I just picture like the old sea dog being like, watch out for the nor'easter. <laughs> Uh, but this, this infamous storm struck, and they lost all control of the ship. It was like a cork in a storm. When we came under the lee of a small island named Clouda, I guess, maybe that's what it's called, and managed to get a lifeboat ready and reef the sails. And reefing the sails just means they, like, angle and bring the sails in to minimize, like, uh, surface area so the wind can't, like, a big gust of wind can't take you out of direction or like break anything. So they're like reefing the sails. But rocky shoals prevented us from getting close to this island. We only managed to avoid them by throwing our drift anchors out. The next day, out on the high seas again and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo over. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we had seen either sun or stars. And that's important because back in Paul's day, that's how they navigated the water, sun and stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully. I know what you're going through, Paul. And we lost all hope of rescue. With our appetite for both food and life gone, Paul took his place in our midst and said, Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have avoided all this trouble and trial. How many of you know like, hey, Paul, thanks so much for that. That does us so much good right now. Like you are being that guy. <laughs> thanks. Paul. You're a great friend, Paul. Thank you. If you just told you so. Um, we would have avoided all this trouble and trial, but there's no need to dwell on that now. From now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there will not be a single drowning among us, although I can't say as much for the ship. The ship itself is doomed. <laughs> When's the good news coming? <laughs> Last night, God's angel stood at my side, an angel of this God I serve, saying to me, Don't give up, Paul. You're going to stand before Caesar yet, and everyone sailing with you is going to make it. And I just want to give a quick interjection. Sometimes as a Christian, you might not like just showing up might save somebody in their situation. Sometimes like these people could have been doomed, but God came to Paul with the message of hope. And he's like, hey, I'm here. I've got somewhere God wants me to go. So everything's going to be okay. Sometimes the first step is just showing up. Another day. All right, you're going to stand before Caesar yet, and everybody sailing with you is going to make it. So dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me, but we're going to shipwreck somewhere on an island or another. And that's actually pretty important, but we'll come back to that in a second. But get this, Paul, who is just sort of a passerby on this ship, he's just kind of like this guy that's there. He's not a sailor. He's on his way to Rome. He takes an opportunity to enter into the sailor's situation. 
He is now rallying the troops in the middle of a storm. And I want you to remember, this, there's a good chance this was an Egyptian cargo ship. And so not only are they worried about their life, they are also worried about losing their livelihood. They're in like a dark place because most of the time they'd make their living off selling and trading the things that were on their ship. And so Paul, even though earlier he had already tried to offer their advice, offer his advice, and they were kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. Paul decides to enter into their situation. He decides to enter into the middle of their chaos and preach a message of hope to the situation. And if I'm just being honest, I think I would be a little bit like Paul too, and I would throw in a little, I told you so, but hey, since I'm here, I'm the man of God, things are going to be all right. I love that Paul's like human enough to like get a little jab in. Like, if you'd have listened to me, I told you, oh, you want me to pray now? Like... <laughs> That makes him like super relatable. But I think if we read through this story of Paul and the ship and we see it in light of Matthew 5, there are some very important things that we can take away when it comes to being the light of the world, a city on a hill. And if I can kind of put in there a lighthouse in the middle of an ocean. Um, and so if you're taking notes with, with all spiritual people do, and if you don't, just know that I'm looking at you and smiling, but I'm judging you on the inside. <laughs> If you take notes, I want you to write this down. Don't wait to be a light. Shine in your current situation. Don't wait to be a light. Shine in your current situation. I don't think it would be a stretch to say that Paul in this moment on this ship does not find himself in the most ideal of situations. I'm sure if we could sit down and talk to Paul, he would have much rather arrived at Rome on a carnival cruise ship than on the Titanic. I think he would have kind of had that preference. It's not an ideal situation, but I want to point something out because I think it's really prevalent in our Christian culture today. Paul is on a ship just kind of doing his thing. Paul's just kind of there. Like he like very well may be on his way to prison. Like he's there because he's on his way to an appeal court for something he got arrested for. Like Paul is just kind of there. He, although he leads sort of a peculiar life, this is sort of just in the middle of his normal. And I think because we get to read ahead and we get to kind of see like what's going to happen, we look at this situation and we think, man, everything Paul does, every situation he does is like super ideal for sharing the love of Jesus. But I think if we were to ask Paul, like being on a ship in the middle of the ocean that is going down might not be like super ideal. But I think we get this opportunity to read the story and we get to see the kind of impact that he has um, through this situation and we read that and we think, man, that is awesome. That is spectacular. And here's sort of the trap that we fall into. We spend our entire life searching for ideal situations to be a light. We spend our everyday life searching for the spectacular and we walk around missing out on the supernatural. I want to say that again. That's another good note. I want, uh, if you write that down, you'll be one of my good friends. We spend our lives seeking the spectacular. And we walk around every day missing out on the supernatural. Did you know that God might not always be into the spectacular, but God is always into the supernatural? I want to 
explain to you what I mean. Um, so often as a people, we kind of look for this instant gratification. We look for this mountaintop experience to be on with God. And, and if we don't think that something's going to yield spectacular results, we kind of pass it by when we forget that God is always working and he is always doing something supernatural, even if it doesn't seem spectacular in the moment. Okay, but we tend to miss out on this concept because we look for results that are instantaneous and we forget that we serve a God that works continually. We look for that Instagram, that Facebook picture moment when God is constantly doing something behind the scenes. And I think, at least for me, the way this plays out is the next time you go to a restaurant and you have a waiter... You could look at them as somebody who does a little bit more than just brings you food. Like they could be a person with a story and you could go to them and say, hey, how is your day? Like actually get to know them and say, hey, like, are you going through anything in life? Like, is there anything I can do to pray for you? And to you, that might seem super normal, but to them, that might be supernatural. They might not have talked to anybody about their problems. They might not have had anybody offer to pray for them in such a long time. And so while we are too busy chasing the spectacular, we miss out on the supernatural possibilities. Do you know that there is nothing more supernatural than a Christian who is willing to be a light in the everyday mundane of their life? There is nothing more supernatural than a Christian that has decided that they are going to shine no matter how spectacular or no matter how mundane. And I think it's safe to say Paul is not looking to go onto a ship that is sinking to give some like Braveheart style speech to these guys that they're going to make it. I don't think if you were to ask Paul, he was looking for this spectacular moment on this ship. Paul wasn't looking for a spectacular moment, but what he was doing was allowing God to put God's super onto his natural and make something incredible happen out of a normal situation. Paul was in the middle of a normal trip, what he thought was just a normal trip to go to an appeals court. And because of a bad situation, Paul, not looking for the spectacular, but being aware of the supernatural, allowed God to put his super onto Paul's natural and it became a moment for these people. See, in our human nature, we wake up every day and miss the supernatural things that God is doing because we feel like we need to arrive at an ideal destination in life before we can maximize our light shining potential. We think that we need to be in a place where all of our gifts are like fully illuminated and that we, we need to be in a place where our gifts can shine from a platform. And can I just say really quick, in the kingdom of God, there is absolutely no VIPs as far as getting the light out there, as far as shining the light. There is one person who shines his light that can only save. There is no particular season. There's no particular position. You don't need a stage. You don't need a platform. You do not need to arrive. You don't need your, your gifts to be fully illuminated for you to shine where you are right now. So often we look for a platform. So often we look for, for a place where we think is ideal and we miss out on the everyday. We think we have to wait for a perfect season in life, but we forget we serve a perfect Savior who can make any season the perfect season to reach out to somebody. We look for the perfect season, but we forget we serve the perfect Savior who redeems every situation in every season and gives us an opportunity in every single moment. 
And I think we get this idea that we need to arrive. We need to get to this certain place. But did you know that if you are not faithful now in this season, you will not be faithful when you do arrive? The Bible says that if you are faithful with a little bit, then you will be faithful with a lot. And I talked to so many people that have dreams and ambitions, and, and I heard this on a message one time, I hope your dreams shock people with how strong and how big you are dreaming uh, things for God, but I hope your faithfulness with what you have right now shocks them even more. It is not a bad thing to dream, and if God has given you a dream, if God has given you a picture of where your life could possibly be, hold on to that because that might be a dream from God, and that might actually be where you end up, but how faithful are we being right now in our everyday situations? I think there are so many Christians that wake up every day and spend more time focusing on ideal situations to be a light, and they miss out on the fact that there are actually people in their current situations that they're missing opportunities to talk to. Don't wait to be a light. Shine in your current situation. Don't wait to be a light. Shine in your current situation. And the second thing that I want to point out, if we're going to be the light of the world, is this. If we're going to be lights in the middle of storms, we're going to need a rain jacket. If we're going to be lights in the middle of storms, we're going to need a rain jacket. And band, you guys can kind of make your way back up. I know it's a little early call, but I want to feel spiritual, so I need some music behind me. <laughs> Just being honest. <laughs> if we're going to be lights in the middle of a storm, we need a rain jacket. Paul is out in the open ocean. On a boat, in the middle of a storm. And th for, this, for these people, this is their situation. This is their livelihood. Paul's not a part of like the initial mission of the ship. He's just there because he's going to Rome. He's just passing by in his normal everyday life. But as the ship is like falling apart, uh, Paul rallies the troops and he gives this message of encouragement. Hey, nobody's going to die. Uh, I've got somewhere to go because God is trying to get me somewhere. Nobody's going to die. Everybody's going to be safe. But I think one thing that we kind of forget is just as hard as this rain and this wind and this storm is beating on the ship and beating on the sailors, it's also raining on Paul. Paul is not excluded from the weather or the situation in this moment. He's rallying these people in the middle of a storm, and he is also getting rained on. And it made me start to think about uh, the lighthouse that we would go out to and snorkel. You see, Alligator Light is located four miles off the coast of Isla Morada or whatever key it is down there. It is located four miles off the coast. And so what that means is it is surrounded by the ocean. It is surrounded by coral. It is surrounded by danger. And they strategically placed it there for that purpose. If that lighthouse were to shine from the coast, it wouldn't be able to warn people in time and people would still kind of be racking and kind of and run into stuff. But that lighthouse was strategically placed. And if that light is actually going to serve its purpose, it's got to be out in the middle of an ocean, out in the middle of a storm. And guess what could happen? If it's going to save people, if it's going to put, point people in the right direction and keep them from wrecking their life, it might get hit with a couple of waves. It might get rained on. Lightning might strike the top. It might take some damage because it's out in the middle of the ocean. And I think as Christians, 
If we're really going to be lights in this world, if we're really going to shine the gospel into dark places and expose dark places, we cannot stand at an arm's distance from other people's storms. We've got to find ourselves in the midst of the storm to be a light. The only reason that these sailors took Paul's words seriously was because he was also on the boat with them. If Paul was standing on the side, if he was standing on the coast, sipping a a margarita, virgin of course, if he was sipping a margarita saying, hey guys, everything's going to be all right. I'm good. Hey, there's hope. There's hope that you guys can get through this. Everything's going to be safe. They would probably not take that, that message of hope so seriously, but Paul is preaching hope while he is on their boat in the middle of their storm, and he's rallying them in their situation, and he is saying, hey, there's hope. And he's right there getting rained on, just like everybody else. I think as Christians, we expect people in this world to take our message of the gospel that Jesus can come into their life and save them from their mess seriously. If we, if we want that to be taken seriously, that means we can't be afraid to get messy ourselves and hop in the boat with these people. So often we want to shout these, these encouragements, we want to shout these messages of hope, but we're too afraid to get out in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the storm with people. What made Jesus so powerful wasn't the fact that he continually offered good, sound, spiritual advice. Jesus would link up with people in the middle of their mess and walk with them in the middle of their mess, in the middle of their storm. Jesus wasn't a sideline player. He got right up in the middle of people's situations and got rained on when they were in the middle of a storm. And if we want to be light and darkness, if we want to shine in the middle of darkness, I think we need to be some Christians that are willing to get involved with people and step out in the middle of someone else's storm. And whenever we go through messages like this, whenever we we kind of get messages like this, uh, we get really inspired. But then, but then something like comes up in our life and something comes up and, and it distracts us or it might take some of our time or take some of our attention. But I want to point this out. When Paul was used by God to bring this message of hope to sailors on their boat sinking in their storm, I want you to notice something. Paul was not exempt from the crash landing. Paul was not exempt from the crash landing. Paul was not exempt from the shipwreck. There are so many Christians, though, that will come into church and they'll hear a message like this and they'll hear a worship song and they'll say, God, use me. Hey, God, use me. And then they'll come into church three weeks later, all bitter at the church and say, I feel like I'm being used. They'll pray, God, send me into the world. Make me a light into the world. And then one week later, they'll say, God, deliver me from the world. They'll ask for deliverance from the prayer that they just prayed. How can you expect to change our culture and to shape our dying culture if we are not willing to jump in the boat with the culture and bring the message of hope in the middle of the storm? Culture's done hearing about what to do and what not to do from the sidelines. They're looking for people that will actually step out in the midst with them and walk through the storm with them. And while they're getting rained on and you're getting rained on, God uses you to bring a message of hope. How can we be a light to the world? How can we illuminate darkness if we're too afraid to get close to the darkness? 
and we just want to kind of stand where it's safe and play it safe. The world is hungry for Christians that are willing to step off of a judgmental platform and step into their world. The, the, the world is hungry for something that is real and a message of a gospel of a God who will come to save, but only when the mess is clean is not real enough. And that's actually not the real gospel. The message is that he got into the mess, into the storm. And the world is looking for Christians that will step off of a platform and step into their life and bring a message of hope in the middle of their situation. And I think that the message that we're sending, we have to be so careful about the message that we're sending because we want to shout encouragement from the sideline, but it's time to step out in the middle of somebody else's storm. It's time to bring a word of hope and a word of encouragement in somebody else's storm. Not necessarily looking for the spectacular, but in the super normal of your super day, allowing God to do something supernatural. It's time that we step out in the middle of other people's storms so that we can be a light and point them to safety. Jesus was so thick in the middle of other people's storms that he actually kind of got a bad reputation. Jesus was very good at ticking off the religious people. And he would hang out with lepers and tax collectors and liars and fakes. And it actually earned him a nickname. They called him, this guy is a friend of sinners. And I just, I mean, I hope that there's somebody in here tonight that would be willing to kind of take on that mantle that Jesus took on and say, I want to be a friend of a sinner because Jesus was in the middle of a storm. And I think sometimes we get so worried about our reputation. I think sometimes we get so worried about our image that how dare we go to dinner with a stripper? How dare we go to dinner with a drug dealer? We could be seen with these people. But nobody really cares about what you have to say until they know you care about them. And the way we show that we care about people, the way that we're the light of the world is we step out into the middle of a storm with somebody else to bring a message of hope. If we're gonna be used by God to reach the lost, the hurting, the broken, if we're gonna be used by God to be a light to the world, we better bring a rain jacket because we got to step out into other people's storms. I want to challenge you guys tonight. I know the meetup is coming up. And I want to challenge you tonight to take a look at your life, take inventory of your life. And I want you to say, am I just seeking a spectacular situation to be a light? Or am I allowing God to put his super onto my natural and let him invade my super normal because God might be working in the background when I don't see results immediately? Am I awake to the things that God is doing? Am I awake in my everyday situation? Am I allowing God to use my everyday scenario to be a light or am I just hoping or wishing for the day that I get a platform? second thing I want to challenge you guys with tonight is this. As you invite, I hope you invite 10,000 people to the meetup. But I want you to go beyond that and I want to challenge you, don't just invite somebody to the meetup. Step into their storm with them. 
Show them that God is strong enough in your life that you can handle a little bit of their stuff and you can walk through a little bit of their mess. And in that situation, when you show that you can be strong and you're just not shooting out a text, hey, come to church, but you're willing to go pick them up or you're willing to take them and they're talking about how their boyfriend or their husband's a drug dealer and he abuses them or they don't know what they're going to do for money, so they're going to start dealing drugs or they're going to start stealing. Stick with them. Be a light in the storm. And I know when we give messages like this, some people are sitting in here tonight and they're saying, man, that sounds amazing. I would love if God would use my ordinary and turn it into something miraculous. Or maybe you're sitting in here and you're thinking, man, this sounds amazing. I know people and I could be a light in their storm, but you might not know the storm that I'm going through. And you might not know the scars that I carry through my storm. And immediately what happens when we hear a message like this, the devil wants to rob us. And what he starts to do is he starts to disqualify you because of the storms that you've gone through in your own life. And I just kind of want to tell you something tonight. We serve a God who is in the business of turning storms into stories. We serve a God who is in the business of turning messes into mission fields. And I promise you there is not one single person in here tonight that is too far gone for God's grace. And if your best day of doing everything you think is right to serve God cannot earn you an ounce of grace, then your darkest moment and your worst storm cannot keep you from His grace either. I know one person who calls and I know one person who qualifies and that is Jesus and if your life is hidden in Jesus you are everything he says you are and when God turns your storm into a story you now have a place that you can impact that nobody else can reach and so if you would would you stand with me tonight I want to ask you guys a question maybe you're in here and maybe I mean, you're fired up and you want to go out and reach the world and you actually want to get involved in somebody else's mess. You want to get involved in the storm. You want to be that light that can speak hope in the middle of a dark situation and you're okay with getting rained on. You're okay with maybe taking a couple hits from waves, but the first thing when I challenge you to do that is you automatically go to that point of disqualifying yourself because of what you either are currently going through or what you maybe have gone through in the past. If that's you tonight, and you just kind of want to submit your situation, and you just kind of want to submit your storm to God and let him transform that into a story, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you tonight. Saying, guys, I'm going through a storm. I'm going through something. I need God to turn my storm into a story so that I can go be a light in somebody else's storm. You can put your hands down. Or maybe tonight you came in here like in the middle of your storm. And you were thinking, man, I just need somebody to help. And you're hearing about this Jesus that commissions his people to be lights. And I want to tell you that if you are in the middle of a storm and you do not know Jesus, there is literally nothing you have to do to get him to jump into the water and hop into that storm with you and hold you and keep you. If you need Jesus in the middle of your storm, if you are in here and you do not know Jesus, but you need Jesus in your situation right now, could you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Can we pray tonight? God, we love you. And I pray that tonight my friends, my peers can be encouraged that there is no such thing as normal in their everyday life when they decide to shine for you.
There is no normal situation, but they are constantly working in the supernatural. Even though it might not be spectacular, they're working in the supernatural. And God, I pray tonight that you would heal wounds from past storms so that people can go out and be lights to the world. They can shine in the midst of other people's messes. I pray that you would empower their storm to be their story and open avenues of ministry that they never thought were possible. And God, for the person that needs you tonight, that is drowning in their sin and feels like there is no way out, man, you're the rescuer, you're the healer. And I pray that you would invade their life tonight. And I pray, God, that you would just just flood them with the love that comes from Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. God, we love you so much and we thank you that you were willing to step into our storm and pay the price for us. God, we can't wait to worship you and we love you so much and it's your precious and holy name we pray.